everyone, welcome back to the Dadcore Cinema Club. It's a celebration of the cable classic, the middlebrow masterpiece, the movies that never stop reminding you the power of brotherly love, no matter how many times you watch them. I am your host, as always, Brandon. Joining me, as always, is Charlie. What's up? Listeners, if you were listening last week, we heard us talk about a great submarine movie, kind of submarine Moby Dick, Run Silent, Run Deep. It is Clark Gable and Burt Lancaster in a submarine. It's pretty sick. Check it out. But this week, we are joined for the first time by a pair of dads. That's right. Charlie and I have been stealing dad valor, but for the have real dads this week. So welcome, please, Mr. Brett, the Brettman Thousand. Howdy. And Galactic Zach. Hello. I feel like I didn't do my normal uh, my normal podcast uh, like introduction involves me doing like three minutes of self hype. So let me just get out of there. Like I'm Brett the Postman Thousand. Uh, you know I did the big action movies bracket. I got a ton of followers, Mr. Viral Posts, um, and also my best friend from high school is here today, Zach. So Zach, <laughs> do some hype, do some hype shit on yourself. Hype yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, let the record sh- show that he was doing a little hand thing, too. <laughs> yeah, he was using hands, maybe. Yeah. It's important to do as many physical bits on a podcast if <laughs> possible. It's okay. I wave my hands all the time on this podcast. No one knows except for us. It's a little treat for the recorders. See, when we have guests, when we have guests, too, I always try to start a what's up Budweiser ad cascade that never, never takes off. Never makes it further than why. It's just me. I'm just out here on an island. Brett, I, I like how uh, Zach was your sidekick in the way that you introduced him there. It was, I'm Brett, and uh, Zach's here. I mean, for 15 years or so now, he's referred to us as Batman and other Batman, so I'm a little confused by this. <laughs> I mean, Isn't, that Nightwing? Isn't Nightwing the other Batman? No, no, it's, it, this is like you have uh, Batman and then just a second Batman, like of, of equivalent power. Like, he might be, you know... Uh, it's the Batman of Zurin, uh, or whatever. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, You've lost me. Multicolored Batman is. Yeah, that was maybe too much of a deep cut for the first two minutes. Yeah, of when podcast, you say but, when you say Batman, um, that throws me. <laughs> I don't know what that is. So it's like so, a it's like a man who's a. So is he a bat? Uh, you may think so based on the name. I uh, but he's really more of a man who takes inspiration from a bat. Okay, oh, he's kind of like a man uh, bat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not man bat, which is a different thing, but he is more man than bat, I would say, percentage wise. It's okay. probably like 75 25. Okay. Okay. And I'm Zach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just 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 to loop back around. Uh, I did you five. You got to establish that early. Yeah, I I did five I did 5 minutes of pro wrestler hype and Zach said, "Hey, <laughs> so 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 just in case you missed that, that's that's uh Galactic Zach, uh my actual life friend and fellow dad coming onto this podcast. Podcast rookie. All right. You you did like a, a real like full successful like The Rock introducing himself and then and Zach entered like the Shockmaster. <laughs> yeah, he went straight into the wall, onto the ground, and then you could hear Charlie muttering, oh Christ, <laughs> as soon as he came in. Well, it is important to establish that there are four of us here today, which you you need to talk about four brothers. Yeah, four brothers. Four which, podcasters for four brothers. Which is today's movie, Four Brothers. I'm assuming that's something that you guys normally say, but again, I need to interject myself and my persona into this podcast as much as possible. 2005's 
Four Brothers? John Singleton's 2005 classic Four Brothers. Uh, yeah, a classic, for sure. We, classic. If it wasn't a classic, we wouldn't cover it. I do say we're talking about cable classics up front. Mm, yeah. That would be lying if it wasn't. I would be curious to hear what your both of yours experience was with the 2005 Mark Wahlberg vehicle uh, Four Brothers prior to this week. Like, had you seen this before? Had you seen it when it come out? Like, what was your, your interaction with this movie before today? So I actually saw it with my dad. Uh, I watched it with my dad on DVD. We were like, we were big going to the theater in the 2000s, and we were also big, like, renters, uh, like, getting movies and watching them at home. So we watched this in, this in the 2000s. I don't know how soon after 05 I saw it. I, it it might have either been a blockbuster rental or it might have been a Netflix rental if it was a couple years later. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I saw it with my dad. So, like, when, you, when Zach's like, you got to cover... I think Zach recommended Four Brothers. I was like, well, yes, obviously. Me and my dad watch this together. Which I think is like an interesting hinge on this podcast because, you know, we, we tend to think like dad movies as being like stuff like currently 60 or 70 year old men liked. But now we're getting in this territory of, you know, I'm in my early 30s as a Zach and like we both have kids and like this is almost like now a dad movie for me as in the sense that I saw it when I was like 15 and then <laughs> like I've never forgotten it and now I have children. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's important to think of it more as like a mind state than like an era of movies. Yeah. Which like I had never seen this before this morning. I have no idea how it missed me. This would have been in my like peak Andre 3000 obsession stage when I was like 12, 13 years old. The name Four Brothers. I don't know how I wasn't like screaming at my parents that we needed to go watch <laughs> Four Brothers with Andre 3000. Never before has a movie had so many brothers. Now, would it be Andre 3000 that you were more excited to see or Tyrese? Because this is a peak Tyrese kind of run here. It would have definitely been Andre 3000 <laughs> for sure. The the most Southern guy to ever be from Detroit in this movie. <laughs> we'll get into it later, but there's some maybe uh, questionable locationality of some of the actors <laughs> relating to, to Detroit. And you so mean like I... any, any movie that puts Mark outside of Boston? <laughs> You have to assume, you know, he was like, had a grandfather from Boston and it was just passed down to him in this movie. Uh, so I saw this movie uh, in the theater when it came out. And I think I this is an R-rated movie. Uh, there's a lot of language in it. Uh, and uh, I saw this. So like, it was that era, like, like things that no longer happen anymore that used to happen in which I would have to like buy a ticket to a non-R-rated movie and then walk into the R-rated movie and hope to not get caught. Um, which now with my adult eyes, I know no 17, no 17 year old is ever going to kick a 15 year old out of a movie uh, for, for being an underage. It's too much responsibility. Uh, but very specific burned into my head is I did that. Like I bought a ticket to whatever other movie was playing summer 2005, walked into to four brothers and, and sat just in an empty seat. And, uh, the theater was so empty that they didn't turn the house lights off. Like they forgot to, uh, and it was like a mommy and me like screening you know get the lights on basically <laughs> and uh i was a 15 year old pussy so i did not like go tell anyone hey the lights are on mm -hmm. so my first viewing of this movie was in a nearly empty movie theater with all the house lights on and that, that memory has sort of stuck with me since then brett you uh um you used to collect your stubs when stubs were a thing do you think you might have the stub of the movie 
you were buying the ticket for before? It, it probably, and it bums me out that I can't remember it because the same year I remember I saw the movie Sin City like five times because I was 15 years old or whatever, whatever I was that year, and that's like the greatest movie of all time uh, when you're that age. Uh, and I specifically remember with that movie that Miss Congeniality 2 was playing at the same time, and I bought a ticket to Miss Congeniality 2 so that I could see Sin City, but I do not remember like what the equivalent movie was for Four Brothers. But Zach, like, what was like? When did you first see this movie? Um, I'm kind of with Brandon there. Um, this is definitely something I would have seen in the theaters if I had the opportunity. Again, being of that age, not having uh, you know uh, the audacity to buy a ticket for another movie and lie. Um, I might have seen that other movie and then stayed the rest of the day. But um, <laughs> this was definitely a uh, DVD viewing at home. And uh, in my family, I don't know if this is true for the rest of you guys. We kind of were like blind VHS and DVD buyers, like just roll into, I don't know, Target, Walmart, Hollywood video. Yeah. And just like, Hey, let's just buy that. Like we bought it and then brought it home. Um, so I probably saw it. I don't, well, again, what was this? Oh five. So, um, yeah, somewhere along the line after the DVD was made for me. And so for us, though, so like Zach and I, just like uh, just like awareness for podcast listeners. Uh, so Zach and I are like actual, I was not joking to be like, we're actual like real life best friends and we know each other for like pushing, I don't know how many, like 15 plus years at this point, um, getting on their back from high school. Uh, and this movie has like special meaning to us because both because as we were kind of getting at so far of like the title is just funny to say so it's like it's just become like we will just mention four brothers at all times as like <laughs> as if it is an iconic movie that everyone would get the reference to immediately uh, but we have a particular like insane story in our friendship that relates to the movie four brothers which is why i was delighted that you asked us to be on the specifically four brothers podcast uh, and so if we have time i can get into that just because i think it's a nice tone setting uh for the movie and zach like feel free to like interrupt if i get anything wrong or if you just want to stop me from talking because if you don't i will completely cut you out of this podcast (laughs) i so i flashback this was probably i what year was this this had to be like i was in college so it had to be like well like 2010 maybe 2009 2010 I'm going to say maybe even later because we might have been drinking age or I might have been drinking. Age. I'm a year younger than Brett. So um, I'm like drinking age, like 13, 14 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Legal drinking. <laughs> the story also involves driving a car. So we were 13 year olds. just <laughs> slamming by Oh, well, drinking and driving age is 21, at least down here in Georgia. I don't know. Okay. You got to be 21 to get drunk and get behind the wheel of a car down here. Uh, so I think I was probably like a junior in college. I would have been drinking age. I think you probably just had become drinking age, maybe junior or senior in college i was yeah, yeah okay. um we'll go with and that. yeah it's fine not not relevant to the story i and i so we would like once a week we sort of had like hey let's hang out like just like a standing date like thursday nights uh to, to just like hang out watch a movie uh do whatever um and uh we had set a a day in which we were going to go to the mall um it was a wintry day which will factor into the story later we were going to go to the mall uh purchase a a vinyl record copy of the raekwon album uh, only built for cuban links part two <laughs> which is that part is burned in my memory for some reason i think hot topic had a special purple vinyl of that album uh and it was also probably like like january february and we live in a cold weather climate and it was like blizzarding out um so we go to the mall we get two copies of the raekwon album one for each of us um so we could have our matching uh things as we like to get uh, and we go back to my parents' house uh, to, to 
get dinner for my mom or whatever to, to give us a give us a home cooked meal. And it's like just getting worse and worse, uh, snowing. And uh, our plan is to eat dinner, go to Zach's house, um, go in the basement, and watch the movie Four Brothers. <laughs> we, we had we had set in our mind we're gonna watch Four Brothers. Neither of us had seen it for years. We just want to do it uh, to get it done. Uh, we get into our cars. I am following Zach home because his car is a complete piece of shit, and we didn't want to. Uh, at the time, he has a better car now. He's a grown adult. Uh, he's a complete piece of shit, and we didn't trust his car, like in blizzard weather, to like make it the five minutes from my parents' house to his parents' house. Um, and I, we're gonna go back watch Four Brothers. We leave. I'm following him, uh, and we're rolling down a hill. Uh, there's ice, and we're just like, you know, we're just slowly going down the hill. I can see Zach in front of me, and I start to see him veer to the side of the road in a way that does not look intentional to me. And uh, he continues to veer until he ultimately comes to a stop, the stop being produced by a fire hydrant, uh, <laughs> which uh, comically tips over like as in a cartoon, but no water comes out as if it was just sitting there not doing anything more the illusion of safety. Well, that's what they're safety. there for. That's why you can't park in front of them. They're to stop cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like one of those things, like those huge red balls they put outside of Target so you don't smash into the store. Um, oh, that's what those so, are for. So I'm behind him. I see this happen in real time. And I'm like, oh shit, like he may be injured or whatever. Uh, and he uh, gets out of the car. He's okay. We have to wait for the police to come to figure out what's going on with the fire hydrant, um, all this other stuff. Uh, the police then... with a fire hydrant? It, who well, knows? Uh, may, may I interrupt here for a moment? Yes, please correct uh, I was considering, because I'm very much a dirtbag in this era, of just like water's not spraying let's get out of here and go watch four brothers yeah, it's not the police's problem, it's not yeah. the problem. <laughs> well it here's like the catch the water so, department <laughs> we're there brett gets out of his car obviously checking on me someone i went to high school with lived across the street from this fire hydrant and at this point in his life he is a firefighter so he came out he heard the crash and oh. he came out to like assist or check to see if everything was okay um so that's where things got a little like oh now we we kind of have to wait because I'm sure he contacted someone prior to coming outside. He's, he's Narc. A Should I tell the other part or no? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can keep going if you want. Okay. But let's, let's, let's tag team here. You know, emergency service or police are there and they're like, well, we have to make a note of this. There might be some costs involved. And I'm like thinking like, well, this thing didn't even burst with water. Like what's wrong with this town? Like <laughs> this, this is supposed to be a safety, you know, uh, plan and it's not working whatever so she leaves after taking note of it and then we continue on our journey back to my house so one detail that popped in there that i enjoyed because it's like whenever the police get involved in like a small suburb like multiple have to show up so like yes. the responding officer shows up and is like oh yeah i don't know this isn't like i don't really know what to do here this tipped over and then five minutes later a different cop pulls up, like just bored i guess and gets out of his car and does like the most cartoonish dumb cop routine i've ever seen where he gets out and he starts repeating like Polly walnuts to make sure everyone heard his joke going where's all the water and no one responds and he goes where's all the butter and he just keeps saying it and hammering that same punchline never gets acknowledged and then more or less just gets back in his car and leaves which is like okay i you know you can't you can't handle it but we go back to zach's house i 
were exhausted from dealing with all this bullshit and we still settle in and we still watch four brothers and like ever since then four brothers has been like ingrained into our friendship as like associated with the night in which we bought two copies of raekwon's only Play for cuban <laughs> links part two and uh crashed into a fire hydrant so it's like it's it's a part of our friendship story by this point one of those things and weirdly we one of the cops was terry howard <laughs> well this is one of those things where i can say four brothers and he'll just laugh like we could be talking about completely different things in front of hundreds of other people and he'll just start cracking up and vice versa so now it's i'm a, curious how that album book. syncs up with the movie <laughs> it's good it's a good record like it's not as good as only built for cuban links part one but you know it's got some bangers on it and the purple vinyl really got us going um so yeah not as exciting as maybe your guys' first viewings. Uh. No, mine, mine yeah. was definitely, I think, a lot more exciting. Me and my dad popped the DVD in, and then we just sat there and watched it in the living room. I'm sure some crime happened to Jason to when you guys were doing yours. Um, I had a bagel. I was actually really worried popping it in this morning because uh, <laughs> I don't have any brothers. So I was like, am I going to get this? <laughs> am I going to know what's going on? So, So the first thing we have to cover with this movie is like, that's a lot of brothers. If you're if you, if you are making a movie, you maybe have two brothers, three brothers kind of pushing it. Four brothers feels like entirely too many brothers to base a movie around. No, we'll see late. We'll see later if they made it work. But to me, that's a startling amount of brothers to come out right and say it in the title. That's just normal life to me. I am I am one of four brothers, so that's just that's just normal. This movie's about me, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I agree. I also have uh, three other brothers. Uh... And yeah, it seemed adequate to me. I have, I have one brother. That's an appropriate amount of brothers. Two, two or more is getting showy, honestly, and four is <laughs> frankly ridiculous. Um, so this is now my, I watched this twice in preparation before this uh, podcast. And so this is, might be my fourth or fifth. I was trying to really narrow it down of how many times I've watched so, this movie. So, so what you're saying is you've watched eight brothers worth of four brothers this week. <laughs> yeah. okay. I, I, after watching it for the fourth and fifth time, I might have seen this movie way too many times in my life. I think you're like the foremost expert on this movie now. I would not go that far, although uh, you the know, four a lot brothers is, most expert. A lot has changed brothers. in 17 years, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of that later. Uh, he's, but, the, well, he's the he's the foremost expert, spelled F O U R four. See, the movie seems to know though that this could be an overwhelming amount of brothers. So it gets pretty quickly into just having a character describe each of them to you and what they're all about. It's really effective. I love it. It's just like, hey, this is this is the bad boy brother. This is the successful brother. This is the hot brother, and this is the gay brother. <laughs> well, I mean, not so to just not to just completely skip over an old lady getting blown away, which is how the movie actually began. Well, hold on, hold on. Before we get to this, can I say <laughs> that I viewed this on my of era two thousand five full screen DVD, Four Brothers. I was kind of upset being a cheapskate sometimes that Netflix had just gotten rid of it uh, last month in June. Um, Cause they had it for a little bit. Zach but, uh, didn't want to watch the, didn't want to blow the three ninety nine voodoo rental is what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. I got to save that for other movies. So um, I plugged it into the Xbox, put it on the TV and something happened that I haven't seen happen in a long time was previews on DVDs. Um, do you guys mind if I cut in a little bit here with what I, I have some notes. Please, Go for it. please tell me what they were advertising on this DVD. All right. This movie is very 2005 and I think we can all agree with that. Um, and so are the ads for this movie. So um, at the top of your 2005 
Four Brothers Full Screen Edition DVD. We have the classic You Wouldn't Steal a Car, Piracy is a Crime uh, commercial. Do you guys recall these? Yeah, just false as a premise, <laughs> I think. I, I would absolutely do that if it was as easy to, to steal a car as a movie. You know, I kind of have forgotten about that or haven't thought about that in years. But the song that plays in the background, I can play in my head mm. and recall that. I don't know why that stuck out to me. Not to derail you, but that was part of like a little mini era of like PSAs that just made the thing look really fucking cool. Like there was one about not smoking weed where someone like deflates and I was like, damn, what are they smoking? That looks fucking awesome. Well, and, and the music they all had, I can only describe as like the music that plays when Blade starts killing vampires. Like it's, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's, it's like the music from the Matrix One battles, right? When Neo yeah, unloads in the lobby. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's equilibrium like music. Absolutely. Very yes, absolutely. With the the music, interesting. Um, the fact that they're like, you wouldn't steal a car. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm reasonable. I probably wouldn't steal a car unless there's like dire situations. But I'm definitely going to rip off some movies in 2005, like. I, I know multiple people, maybe someone on this podcast who might have, you know, copied DVDs from the old Netflix service or my cousin or things like that. So got a good laugh out of that one. Next I can't up, believe Brandon would do that. <laughs> um, We're good boys in this podcast. We follow the laws. Um, next up was the Latham Comedy Collection. Now, I wasn't too familiar with this. Um, it seems like a four pack of movies all put into one. But the original Kings of Comedy was in there, which Hell I recall yeah. watching. Um there is a small clip of Bruce Bruce. Next up, really, I haven't thought about in years, was The Honeymooners, but with oh, Cedric like the, the Entertainer. Entertainer the remake. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I thought you were going to say the, the Bruce Willis show. <laughs> that's moonlighting. We know, that's moonlighting. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Everything's my, the same to me. It's in, okay. my he- in my head, as soon as you said that, you conjured some image of like a Bruce Willis remake of The Honeymooners, <laughs> which, is, which is an amazing image to imagine Bruce Willis doing the classic punching your wife so hard she flies to the moon bit. <laughs> Bruno, calm down. Um, so Honeymooners, and this is like, this just took me back to that era of those, like, that took me back really because I forgot about all those like remakes. Now, some stick out like Starsky and Hutch for some reason stuck out to me, but like, Honeymooners, I totally forgot about the Bad News Bears remake with Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. That was the next. That was the next a video. Who directed that? That was Linklater, wasn't it? It's somebody. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is Richard. Did Linklater. he really? That's that's like his brief, like huge studio because he did um, School of Rock around that same yeah. time. Right? Okay. Yeah. That's funny. And then after this is really when we get into the thick of things here. Hustle and Flow. Now I forgot to do research on what year that came out. I can't remember if Hustle and Flow was prior to. Uh, four brothers uh, senior. i'm sorry oh five it was off five. okay mm-hmm. so um you know the terrence howard connection there and then singleton produced that as well um after that we had the weatherman do you, uh, and i want to take a moment here do you guys remember the weatherman with the nick cage, the nick cage? i never saw yeah. it but i'm aware yeah. of it i remember the you've never saw it okay it's good charlie have you seen it yeah i like it it's good brett have you seen it i have seen that i mostly just remember a bow and arrow like right it's yeah. like it's either a movie about like losing your family or going on a Rambo style bow ramp. No, yeah, it's like a <laughs> like midlife I... crisis type deal. Yeah, but it's more black comedy ish if you actually watch mm-hmm. it. And the preview doesn't make it seem that way. And I have this relationship with my grandparents where we'd go see movies often, and us the grandchildren got to choose. So me and my second uh, brother, I guess brother number two, um, the Andre three thousand of my family. The Jerry. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we decided to go see weatherman with our grandparents 
because it looked like kind of like what Brett was describing about, you know, family falling apart, guy trying to piece his life back together, midlife crisis kind of deal. And there is references to dildos in that movie. He's like staring at a girl's ass and forgets his food order. And then there's like a sex scene in it. So really awkward to go see with your grandparents in the theaters, whatever year that came out. And then the final ad was Elizabeth town, which something I don't even recall existing. Yeah. Uh, like- Cameron Crow, uh, Cameron Crow joint. Yeah. And uh, the only thing Orlando Bloom was in it and Dunst. So I was like, oh, but I had never seen that one before. So that really set me in the mood to watch Four Brothers. That really took me back to this 2005 high school era of life. So do we want to like jump a little bit into (laughs) the happenings of Four Brothers? Yeah, we should probably talk about the movie at some point. (laughs) Sorry. Otherwise, I'll just start talking about Idlewild. You talk about the titles. It's a good title. And, you know, you made the point just that it's a it's a fun title to say. It is. I watched this movie once uh, when I first saw it in the 2000s. And ever since, I have continually referenced it to anyone I can forever. And half of that is just that it's really fun and instantly funny to say the title Four Brothers in any context. I think part of it to me is it's just, like, so straightforwardly descriptive. Like, mm-hmm. you know exactly how many brothers you're getting when you fire this movie up. Well, you hear four brothers, you're right. You're like, okay, there's four brothers. You see the poster and you're like, I think I know where this is going. Usually movies don't, ha- like, usually movie titles are somewhat descriptive of the plot. And this one's just like, four brothers. And like, there's, it's not like, here's what's going to happen with the four brothers. It's not like, it's not called dead mom. It's called four brothers. Like, these are just four dudes. Well, see, when I see the promo material too, I'm like, four brothers, two of these guys are white guys. What's What's going on there? It's intriguing. This is my favorite part of this podcast is Charlie's first viewing in 2022, which I would love. I can't wait to get into. Well, it was my first time seeing white people is why I was. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? Uh, (laughs) And to make a point of comparison, if you think about like a movie like The Godfather or something that does not reach the height of four (laughs) brothers, how many fucking brothers are there in that movie? I don't know. I'm looking at the title. They mentioned one old guy like. There's three brothers in that movie. It should be called The Godfather colon Three Brothers. That I'm well, they're preserving the mystery. I think one of the things, Four Brothers, really a successful movie, made $90 million, but they really, you know, they kind of give away the whole movie in the title. I mean, I already, I go in, I know how many brothers there are. Most movies I go into, I don't know how many brothers there are, you know? I'm going in wondering, like, how, are there going to be two or three in this movie? I have no idea. I, I think so this one, they gave it away up front. Some of the audience probably got turned off. Like, well, I mean, what's there left? You know, the marketing already gave away the whole thing. I think you're investing too much in spoiler culture here, Brandon. Like, yeah. I like to go in prepped for the number of brothers I'm getting. Uh, so anyway, yeah. this movie has four brothers. It does have yeah, four the... brothers. Uh, one thing people don't realize about the title is it is actually, it, it is weird kind of upfront. A lot of movies aren't titled this way, but it is based on a classic saying. A lot of people know half of it but people don't realize the full thing you know one if by land two if by sea four if by brothers is you know going way back to the revolution yeah there's also the a brother in the hand is worth four in the bush i hear a lot but the four brothers are (laughs) mark Wahlberg, garrett headland that one was a sleeper uh Andre 3000 and Tyrese. Did you put Garrett Hedlund before my boy Tyrese? <laughs> I did, yeah. I had to think I, back I to think, what I just said, but yeah, I did. I, I do think you elevated Garrett Hedlund a little uh, bit. I, I will well, accept that only because your first viewing was in 2022 and not 2005. 
Yeah, this yeah, was well, coming hot off of Too Fast, Too Furious. Knowing how their careers turned out, I now know to play Scary to Headland close to the top of the top of the list. <laughs> He's still banking on that Tron goodwill. Oh yeah, I I just think of him <laughs> as being the the drunk kid in Friday Night Lights movie. I, I'm just gets... a big fan of him from Aragon. You know, I'm big Aragon head. Didn't see either of those actually. I haven't. Uh, don't don't watch Aragon. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. He's the Tron Legacy guy, though. I do love Tron. He is, he's yeah. also the he's yeah. the mini Brad Pitt character in Troy. Also, what I think of him from Patroclus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so it it is. So it's a movie from two thousand five, and I do feel like if you are making two like four, if you're making a selection to choose four brothers in two thousand five, I think you could easily see how you would arrive on those four guys. You've got. <laughs> You've got Mark Wahlberg at the height of, like, he's a movie star now. Like, your post-Boogie Nights, you've had a couple, like, hits under your belt. Uh, you've got Tyrese coming off of two other John Singleton movies, Too Fast, Too Furious. He, he's becoming a star. you got Andre 3000 just making the transition to acting. and then Andre have... Benjamin? Andre Benjamin, <laughs> correct. Sorry. I believe his I believe his full name is Andre Benjamin three thousand. So thanks for that catch. And then you have a fourth guy uh, who's also there, <laughs> and that would be Garrett Edlund. So so Brett, I have to ask uh, Andre three thousand, Brett thousand. Any relation there? I know. So my uh, screen name, my Twitter handle, which is at Brett thousand. Everyone who listens to this should follow me. And I'm already assuming there that there's not a hundred percent overlap with the people who listen to this podcast and people who already follow me, uh, which I feel like we're pretty close to pretty close to that number, uh, is actually based on a much more obscure reference to a Guided by Voices album. Well, see, to see the two of you, I wouldn't think that you're related, but after seeing this movie, who the fuck knows who his brothers with who? Could be anybody. <laughs> That's the beauty of brotherhood, you know. You you know you can be th- th- they're his real brothers, you know. No, these are my brothers. These are my Jam- real brothers. <laughs> to jump back into the movie, you did, it does open on a, a snowy Paramount logo, which you know when they start fucking with the studio logo. Oh, and there's for music some real shit. over the logo. When when they do music, when the needle drop is second one of the movie, I get so excited. Because I know that there's a vision coming here. And the vision is snow in Detroit and a dead lady. So I will say, like, I... Prior to fully going into the plot, I think something that we have to address is that this is a very 2005 movie uh, in terms of some of the uh, uh, politically incorrect content, as much as I hate that term. And it it factors in very early into the movie. They get right into into it. (laughs) It's immediately like, hey, guys, this is a post 9-11 movie. We want you to know. Hold on. Just can I stop right there for a moment? We talked about. The needle drop at the beginning, Jefferson Airplane, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great song choice. Um, did you guys notice the fuzzy dice that she has in her car? Yeah. There's the number four right there, right off the bat. Wow. <laughs> four, really <laughs> foreshadowing. Four dice for four brothers. That was put into the script when they didn't know what the title was. <laughs> Clue you into how many brothers were coming up. So, and like, I don't want this whole podcast to be harping on uh, some of the offensive language because <laughs> I feel like that'd be a real downer. Uh, so, just getting it out of the way immediately, uh, there is a very offensive term used for a Middle Eastern person, uh, circa early 2000s. Oh, you mean how he calls him a name of a certain guy that the country was after? 
Yeah, yeah, who may or may not have been implicated in the uh, destruction of the World Trade Center. Uh, but the movie essentially opens. There's a kindly older woman, uh, you know, uh, helping a younger boy who has been accused of shoplifting. She basically gets him out of it, shows how kind she is. Uh, before because she I happen to believe uh, you're worth more than like what he's doing like immediately expressing like this is a woman who sees the best in people no matter in what context she meets them in in addition to that she's down to earth because she swears in front of this young man too Mm -hmm. she's a cool mom you know she's tough uh and that happens approximately 35 seconds before she's killed in a shotgun murder (laughs) (laughs) which really which really kicks you off first three minutes of this movie we got the we've got the opening the the needle drop happens over the snowy title it's snowy detroit we get inside of this shop she's dead within three minutes we hit title card marky marks on screen movie is quick they're like you we don't need too much more we're getting you right into the action ladies dead guys are mad i really like the cop when the cops start running them all down uh at the funeral uh terrence howard's uh the the mark Wahlberg one is essentially the exact same as the beginning of happy Gilmore <laughs> where he's like, this guy used to play hockey. He's first in the league for getting in fights. He's the first one to stab his guy with a skate or whatever. I so, love that. He calls him heavyweight champion fuck up of the family. And he fought hard for that title. Yeah. Their mom just died. <laughs> what an he's, asshole. And he's, apparently he's, he knew the family. It seemed like Terrence like, Howard was up. like, he knew the family and he's just coming in like, these guys fucking suck. And we're going to go to their funeral. Ter- Terrence Howard rolls in and does a Friars Scroll Club roast <laughs> on the four brothers at a funeral. Well, what does he say? These guys are congressmen to what they would have been? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Compared to, yeah. So it's like they were raised by this old lady. And we get the rundown of the four brothers. You've got Wahlberg, who is like a hockey guy and just general like criminal, I guess. You know what I mean? Just sort of tough guy. He's a tough guy. You've got Tyrese, who's like a military like he was in the Marines, I think. He's hot. Like, they, spe- they specify that he's hot. Yeah, he fucks a lot in this movie. Um, <laughs> coming up later. There is uh, Jack slash Garrett Headland, who's like a pretty boy. Like he's he's like the rocker, which to me, like they, they show a little bit of his band later, but it's like never clear like what type of rocker he is. Like he's kind of okay. dressed like a like a mid 2000s screamo gay yeah. rocker uh, yeah. they, they they get way into it his character archetype is mark Wahlberg calls him <laughs> gay every scene for the entire movie to his face as he's dying as he's dying don't die on me you fairy and then and then bringing us home you have on andre 3000 benjamin for new listeners i'm gay i'm allowed to say it yeah you're allowed to say it we got to let Brandon cook on this for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you get all of that content. Um, and then you have Andre uh, 3000 as like the put together brother. Like he's got a business and he was a union man. And you he's a mean? fucking he's union man. He's a union man. Uh, and, and that kind of sets like the tone of the movie is, you know, like they're going out for revenge. They got to find who killed their adoptive mom and just fucking blow him away. Like, in, that, in a way, it's kind of the Detroit Maitland. In a way, yes, this is like the John Sales movie. Mm-hmm. There's a really funny Garrett Headland is a rocker bit pretty early into the movie when they're back at their mom's house and he's in his room playing the guitar and it's clearly like the first or second time he's ever touched a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, like what 
what kills me is like again like it's like very nebulous like what type of rocker he is like he's dressed like a mid-2000s like screamo band guy like he's got like the the long johns under the shirt and sort of the the, the tossed up hair um, i just assume but, he's supposed to be like a punk guy or something but yeah like, it's but, like, got a, bil- punk, a like billy a idol kind of vibe from him yeah now brett that kind of reminds me of someone we know his style of dress and first name um but okay. absolutely yeah, yeah, yes yes don't give away that like the, the quasi mullet going oh you know? jack yes. white yeah. yes jack white you guys are friends <laughs> with jack white <laughs> yeah it, it like what zach is referring to is the scene where i i jack the brother in uh four brothers played by garrett headlands walks into the middle of the frame and plays the entirety of seven nation army before the plot of the movie resumes <laughs> that that part particularly reminded me of jack white well i mean there is like before the plot actually does kick in there's a solid like maybe 15 20 minutes of them just chilling out being brothers in the house those are some they, of my, yeah those they are make thanksgiving scenes. dinner they go play hockey it's, it is a thanksgiving movie i forgot that yeah. going in i basically forgot everything about this movie it was almost like having a first watch because i haven't seen it in like 15 years uh charlie, forgot this was a thanksgiving movie charlie how many brothers do you have i have no brothers i am a brother though Okay, okay. Zero brothers. You bring up a part of the whole movie that I think is one of the best parts is that kind of hanging out, razzing with your brothers. I don't know. I like that setup. Their relationship feels very natural. Um, They have good chemistry, I will say. Um, There is one scene later that I'm not a particular fan of, and I think Zach may be a fan of it, Um, but I did not tell him I didn't like the scene. But like post uh, funeral, they're having Thanksgiving dinner, just like they they made Thanksgiving dinner. And they're all eating Thanksgiving dinner, and there is a sort of odd sequence where they all see their mom as a ghost. Yes, I love them. that. <laughs> like ghostly. Their she's visions like, of their mother. <laughs> like she appears as an apparition and says, "Like chew your fucking food." <laughs> elbows off the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elbows off the table. You son of a bitch. I do enjoy that part. I felt like I wanted more of that in the movie. I love that. I love that, like, intercutting their memories of their mom with the moment they're having now. It's a very quick way of establishing the loss in their relationship with their mom while keeping the plot moving forward. And it re-solidifies how good she was as a foster mother. Mm -hmm. Because I think Terrence Howard says early on, like, she sent every kid that ran through her house up with a family except these four guys mm-hmm. now you get that three minutes before she's murdered right off the bat um which is a pretty good establishing of her character but i i, I do like the apparition thing the thing that kills me though is like garrett headland he kind of stares at her like a psychopath dude he has an insane reaction shot in that scene what like well his his flashback to his mom is insane it's his mom saying like i know your life was fucked up and it's like <laughs> in what way how come everyone else had like a sweet thing of like, oh, mom's like scolded me a bit. Oh, I was a stinker. And his is like, I have trauma. See, like, yeah, absolutely. This, That's and they don't get into it. It's just like, my life was fucked up. They never expand on that. They never expand on that. You're absolutely right. But it's also like, would she have said that at Thanksgiving when the boys were all there <laughs> together? Maybe she was like, shitty to him specifically. He had the worst relationship Terry's, with mom. Close your mouth. Hey, I know you were assaulted as a kid, but you're okay now. <laughs> I feel like that kind of gets into this weird thing that I noticed too, where like I felt like as a group they had a really good chemistry and I liked them all together, but none of them are really giving a performance that I like necessarily. Like Garrett Hedlund is going extremely big in every scene, and Tyrese is in full goofball mode, Mark Wahlberg's in full tough guy mode, and Andre 3000 is trying his best. 
I have a few notes on Wahlberg here. I mean, slick back hair, real piece of shit, right? <laughs> uh, he used um, to be, and you think still that's slick is back? a piece of shit. He never got, <laughs> he never got better. Um, he, he, his his clo- thing is, I used to be a piece of shit. I still am, but I used to be. <laughs> and I'll let that baby know, and I'll beat that baby's ass. Is this the most Wahlbergian Wahlberg role? So, so I in my so notes, I have departed. in my notes, like I have written down, like maybe twenty minutes in the movie, all caps, peak Wahlberg, movie star, bozo genius, because this is like <laughs> the height of his thing. Like he is going completely psychotic. This is the this is the kind of role he can sleepwalk through. Him being dumb and a piece of shit, who is from Boston, even though he's from Detroit. Uh, this is him just. He can do this role in his sleep. This is the departed performance. This is just, I am an idiot. I am mean. I don't know what I'm doing. I am such an idiot that everyone has to protect facts from me. So I don't go hothead everywhere. I I think he's great in this movie. It's funny that he's like established as not like Andre 3000 is the smart one. He's like the dumb brute, but (laughs) he is the leader because he is Mark Wahlberg. He's the one. He's the leader because I think everyone's afraid of him. There, there, there are so many, and we'll get, there's like one particular moment at the end of this movie that makes zero sense for like why Wahlberg is involved, like at the climax of the movie that is clearly like, he has the clout, he is the movie star, and he is Oh, you mean the fucking cowboy scene. walking in at high noon? Because that is, <laughs> I wrote that down as the coolest shit ever, basically. But like, the, my peak of enjoyment of this movie is there's a scene early on. <clears throat> Where they're chasing down leads, and they're they're in a basketball gym, and Wahlberg steals the basketball and during the game. Ever seen. <laughs> during the him game. with a gun, uh, standing overhead. So it, he pulls out the gun, and it and it cuts to overhead shot him holding out the gun, and there's a circle of people around him. I love that. No, I just like immediately he's like, let's go to a school with a fucking gun. <laughs> Who's gonna stop him? It's Wahlberg. He's really quick throughout the whole movie. This is one thing that's consistent is him pulling the gun out way before he needs to in any situation. He pulls it out like He's- Frank Reynolds. He is he is just like he has the gun at all times. It is his it is his like go to solution to every problem. But he, I mean, at one net. point, Tyrese is even like, why are you always pulling out a gun? <laughs> it's in the text. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I like this. Brett references his part. He goes, oh, I got the rock now. I got the motherfucker right now. <laughs> He's natural with it. I believe Mark could ball. Yeah, that is absolutely. that is the most like thirty seconds of pure concentrated wall. He should have balled instead of acting. He's tall. <laughs> He's short as hell. He did basketball diaries. Come on, guys. I there, yeah, and there's like you know, and Charlie, you mentioned Andre three thousand trying his best, and like that is like another thing I have written down is like. Is he a good actor? Because I kind of think like he's he's not very good he's, in this movie. He's oh, a weird combination of being he's like a very strange combination of being the naturally coolest and most charismatic person on earth and being a very bad actor. He mm. still brought the Andre three thousand feel. Even yeah, he's entire- cool. You like looking at him. He's yeah. not not well, the best though. So in my opinion, I think liking to look at an actor is the same thing as him being a good actor sometimes. Sure, he's I don't charming think he's... in every scene. I don't know. I, I think he's pretty good in this movie. Like he gets one emotional beat he has to sell when he has to like the, there's a moment where he has to sell like that he's a good brother. I think he sells like his one emotional beat he has to do pretty well. I, I, I don't think I think yeah. he's actually pretty good. This I don't think he's early. like dragging yeah, I don't think he's dragging the movie down or anything. And I think he has become a better actor. There's just something about this performance that reads as like really amateurish to me. He's he's a little stiff. And I think like, he's very I... charming. 
like maybe the most uh, Georgia sounding person to have ever been. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he does not tone down his accent at all. It's fine. He's adopted. I had to like, no, he sound like I can close my eyes and I'm like listening to Andre 3000. Like <laughs> it's so easy to pick up. He has a very distinct voice after mm-hmm. listening for so many years. But no, yeah, absolutely. The Georgia thing. I'm like, he, dude, come try. <laughs> like even like uh, back to his look. I mean, I wrote down that he had this sweet Carhartt uh, jacket, which might have been early time for Carhartt uh, fashion. And then he had the overalls that were like yeah. pressed, like very Andre three thousand Detroit. Like, I mean, he looks cool. He's gonna look and sound cool. There's something you can yeah. do about that. That's why he had to be the moneyed brother. <laughs> he could only be the rich brother. Uh, and so then, like, you have Tyrese as basically like the the horn dog goofball brother which there is like a very funny gilligan's island cut in this where it's like they're like hey we all know you're gonna go fuck that girl or you're gonna go fuck the neighbor and he's like i'm not gonna do that and then you get the smash cut to like little johnny the side boys the and yeah. he's getting shot at as he runs away with sophia vergara <laughs> yeah early yeah, sophia vergara too, playing sophie She's, she's not in this movie too much. She's pretty good. Her entire role is be hot for Tyrese Gibson and uh, angry she sometimes. There's a, you mentioned, or somebody mentioned that Tyrese is like an ex-Marine, which I had forgotten because I feel like the movie also just kind of forgets about that uh, immediately they after they it introduce so that, it. Uh, Marky Mark can do like more gay jokes. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> well, there's a part, there's a part too where like he... They're chasing somebody up a flight of stairs and he like gets out of breath and Mark is like, come on. And I'm like, dude, did, weren't you just in the fucking Marines? Well, <laughs> Are you in worse than shape than Mark is, Wahlberg? You know, Charlie, Bobby not even that. There's a, there's a scene where Wahlberg's like running down what guns he just stole from someone. And I'm like, wouldn't Tyrese know what all these guns are? And not <laughs> read a yeah. triple action. That's <laughs> during the uh, the Tarantino trunk shot that they have. Well, isn't, Tyrese isn't in that scene though. He's busy doing like his own investigation. Okay, whatever. Well, I think well, that yeah, scene I mean, was like uh, Mark and uh, Garrett. So he had to explain all the guns because obviously, you know, what how, what's Jack gonna know about guns? Yeah, Jack. He's the two things you get from Jack is what Brandon mentioned earlier that. They like to razz on him for sexuality purposes. And he's white. Cracker Jack comes up a lot, which I, I love cool. that Mark's the one that calls him Cracker Jack. The right. other white and that's brother. the other thing. <laughs> is Mark. Mark is this acceptable white man in, uh, you know, with his other brothers who are African-American. Whereas Jack, he's made to feel out in all different ways in his life. He's the punk rocker type, which those guys like look like hip hop guys. And then they comment on him being possibly gay and then just cracker Jack constantly. So the other part of this movie that I think gives this movie like a psychotic energy is that it's clearly meant to be like a take on a black exploitation movie. Like right. you got like trouble the man on the soundtrack so in that regard. Yeah. The music is going hard for it. Yeah. The, the music is great. Like singleton is like in shaft mode basically to the point, like I texted Zach when you were watching this was like, did this start out as like shaft two or something? Cause it's like, it's like very much in that mode, but it's a black exploitation movie that again, to hit this beat stars Markle yeah. <laughs> as, as like, like the lead guy. And usually the lead guy in a black exploitation movie is not white. It's, yeah, it's kind of like weirdly two things. Cause it's kind of like a black exploitation movie, but it's also kind of a Western. It, it's sort of like, it's it's these two things together 
weird it's kind of, it's what's so compelling about it it is kind of this mishmash it's kind of like this detective movie where our detectives are the four brothers it's kind of uh it's got the music and the villain of a black exploitation movie like literally when um i don't know how to say the actor's name so i will just say uh josh charles victor sweet oh hmm? no yeah victor no, sweet up here appears like the music gets all like funky when he's like on screen for the first time like it's like oh we have we have the the the, the villain side of this is is that like crime movie but then also there's there's elements of the way that it's shot that feels like it's owing itself back to to westerns in some way just like plot wise it is purely just a black exploitation movie like having the street guy try to deliver street justice before the corrupt cops can like fuck everything up like that is just the structure of a black exploitation movie yeah, it just happens to be really. mark Wahlberg. Mark exploitation. <laughs> the soundtrack i've been listening to since i watched it on like today's wednesday i've been watching it since sunday so the soundtrack's great if you guys have access to it it's a good it one. does a, it, it does a lot of heavy lifting i think you know in, in like in terms of making this movie like much better than it would be otherwise i mean throw trouble man on a montage of anyone driving in the streets of detroit and i will watch that movie but you mentioned uh, so so the villain of this movie, the villain of the picture is this guy Victor Sweet, who's like a classic black exploitation villain. You know what I mean? Like like, like even the drug name, Kingpin. yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like something from Black Dynamite. Victor who, and, Sweet, and, he, and he's played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, um, who was later in Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, he's an incredible Red actor, and he is incredible in this movie. Like he is so good because he's like the only one I feel like other than Wahlberg who is playing this movie completely fucking insane. Like he is going absolutely apeshit in every scene and it like enhances the whole thing to the point that I wish he was in it more. Like he's not in in the huge like he basically doesn't roll in until like 40 minutes in and he disappears for a while but like every scene he's in is 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 awesome because he's just going completely bonkers the whole time. Brett and I are both big fans of him and how he treats his uh henchmen <laughs> at the restaurant. Oh yeah. Makes the guy eat off the floor. Incredible. Incredible. And then his wife. <laughs> I mean, if yeah. that guy made my husband eat off the floor, I would shut up. Because <laughs> I. why would you want that heat? The thing with the other guy where he's like talking to him about his girlfriend and he's like, oh, I could teach her some things. And the guy tries to go along with the bit and he's like, oh, maybe you could teach her how to cook. And he's like, no, <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. He's like, I think we should go to share her for a little bit. I'm like, yeah, dude, he knows what you're talking about. <laughs> but but he's great. You got an appearance by uh, as a lawyer, the guy who plays Wyndham Earl in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. This is like the only other thing I've seen him in. Like he pops up briefly, and I'm like, oh, this sure. is a friendly lawyer. Man, the lawyer, <laughs> okay. the fun, the funniest fucking lawyer bit is like all throughout the movie. They're like killing and torturing people. But when they need to like get information out of the lawyer, they just pull his shirt up and give him a red belly. They just slap him <laughs> on his belly a bunch. <laughs> oh, and then they find out that he's just like, oh, I was kind of dating your mom, basically. They never explicitly say it. And I, I, don't, I don't recall. I knew her socially, he says. Yeah, that's right, right. And then they're like, oh, we're cool, man. I just broke your window and assaulted you on your own property. <laughs> I love how cool he is with it. They're just like, yeah, oh, we're sorry, dude. We're just trying to find our mom's killer. Uh, and he's like, no big deal, no problem. I'll get the window fixed. I'm a lawyer. I got, I got for, lawyer money. Sorry for slapping your tummy so hard. <laughs> he's like, I get it, guys. I get it. Yeah, Which they didn't want. See, they didn't want to torture him or hurt him because they were like really big fans of Twin Peaks. You got to remember when they would have been teens, Twin Peaks was huge. Well, it's so it's weird because like going back, you you can't get to Chiwetel Ejiofor because you have to have these scenes of them like 
brutalizing people beforehand <laughs> like the red belly scene was so jarring and weird because earlier in the movie they fucking chuck a guy out of a window and like his bones it's sticking out of his leg <laughs> the guy yeah they go to the they just like chase the guy down i just want to talk mark pulls out his gun first thing is... is like i just want to talk to you <laughs> the guy runs he's like yeah dude you pulled out a gun on him this is after he went into a school and pulled a gun. <laughs> okay. Well, and that was after impersonating police to like bust up a party. Oh, I okay. love when they bust up the party and Mark's like, the only thing that makes people more scared than being lit on fire is watching someone get eaten. <laughs> Why do you know yeah, he's this? Got his, he lays out his hierarchy of torture that he has in his own mind. What is... Why is why is Mark Wahlberg the brother that knows about torture and not like the guy who was in the Marines circa Desert Storm Two? It got hey, it Mark. got to the point where where by the end of the movie, like the movie, like they've got like a gag reel over the credits of like what each brother does basically, <laughs> and they show Wahlberg playing <laughs> hockey, and I was like, I have to have missed something that like he was in like the CIA or something because it's like <laughs> the knowledge he has and the tactics he deploys are not like oh yeah, I was a bruiser. Those are normal team. Detroit tactics. I have to assume yeah that's yeah, just we're detroit do the gas thing the gas thing everyone in the midwest knows those tactics actually <laughs> zach well, and i are doing it all the time we're, yeah. we're, we're constantly they taught me in a... school growing up it was they taught us the hierarchy of, of torture in, in the cleveland schools they were like okay so first of all is getting eaten <laughs> if zach and i go to a store and they won't let us return something we want to return you know because we return everything together it's just part of our friendship i uh, we're, we're taking that manager out back we're lifting up his shirt he's getting slapped as, mm -hmm. as hard as i possibly can i've got to resolve that shit somehow well i i should go back and note uh all this uh brutality it's not being done by all four brothers uh jerry's sitting it out he doesn't he's not partaking he's in got that. What did he say? Uh, ballet class. He's got dad stuff to do, which I can totally relate to again, being a real dad, not like you. Think. Yeah. So so he is the dad. We, I think we missed that. He has kids. He has a family. Yeah. And then it, it kind of goes into it. Obviously, as this movie is not just going to have a simple resolution of like they just kill all of the drug dealers who killed their mom at the end of the movie. Um, there's like a conspiracy element where I andre 3000 is like into money with chuatel edgy for his character because of like a, a bad real estate deal i think is, is ultimately he's trying to the gentrify the neighborhood really is yeah. what he's doing because he shows his brothers his 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 like uh his building and he's like oh there's gonna be like on the ground floor there's gonna be businesses and the top floor is gonna be condos i'm like dude that sounds like every city these days you're just it's it, it's a very you're ruining downtown point. is what you're doing well yeah I, I actually really appreciated seeing someone from Atlanta go up north and gentrify their downtowns. It was a nice uh, little shoe on the other foot type situation for me. I'm sorry to hop back around, but um, we kind of we talked a little bit about it. But um, uh, I think Charlie brought up the Garrett Hedlund playing or trying to play guitar in his room. Um, that scene, the the uh i wish it would rain by the temptations mark Wahlberg crying in the bathroom i kind of wanted like two more minutes of the other brothers dealing with the grief of their mother mm -hmm. um i just thought that was a fun little montage Wahlberg's yeah. definitely controlling the edit here and making sure oh, yeah. he gets <laughs> the, the most screen time look if they're it's... gonna play a song that says like you know men don't cry while man cries uh it's got to be the, the Wahlberg. Yeah, um, Brett has a Brett has a list of songs that I want him to play at, at my funeral, and I am now adding that one officially to the list on this podcast. Are you also you... adding to the list that he has to like call you a fairy at your funeral? <laughs> that's, that's on my list. Him. He 
He has full control of creativity as long as hey, the playlist is played. Jack likes boobs. <laughs> okay, he says that very clearly. Jackie's got fans. And, and, and so, like, you get, um, uh, you know, they just keep going deeper and deeper into this conspiracy, basically. Like, they're, they're, they're figuring it out. They figure out Chiwetel Ejiofor is responsible. And then you get um, the, like, you know one of these brothers is going down. Like, like, you don't set up this movie and have all four brothers make it to the end. A brother must die in order to give you the drama. I think that's, like, one of those standard rules of movies. Uh, so we get a big action scene, and Garrett Hedlund, who's the, you know, other is like probably the most innocent brother he 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 eats it essentially he's killed by gangsters and to brandon's point earlier up until the moment his eyes shut forever and and his soul leaves his body mark Wahlberg is still calling him gay (laughs) like moments before death that scene is so fucking wild too because like earlier in the movie they like drop the guy the bone sticking out of his leg they're like oh he'll be all right they like kill the two fucking like hitmen dude without asking them any questions it's all just kind of like fun and then when garrett headland dies he's like wailing and like spit and tears are like flowing out of his face it's so fucking intense and like he's like, jarringly different tonally from too. the rest of the he's movie he's screaming for bobby the homophobic brother the entire time he's dying to go back to that like when we first see bobby not in a car at the funeral he goes up to jack first and says hi to jack and checks in with jack before the rest of it so they, i they laying heavy on making fun of Jack through Bobby, which is Mark Wahlberg's character. But you're right. He's absolutely screaming for Bobby only in that moment. It's a weird relationship between those characters that plays out up, up until they, up, up until Jack dies uh, of like this brother just like talk shit about you constantly. Uh, but also you're still close enough to him that you're wailing his name as you die for like 15 straight minutes. Well, Wahlberg is just a fucking dickhead. Like, he's <laughs> mean and racist to Sofia Vergara the, for the entire fucking movie. Very weird. Yeah. Calls her La Vida Loca the entire movie. Never stops like doing that. I feel like there's maybe a big elephant in the room as well pertaining to a particular word that Mark Wahlberg says in oh, this yeah. movie um, that he should yeah. probably not say. Yeah, um, he says uh, he says the word. He says the N-word at one point. I, there was a, a, a post on Twitter when you all posted like the teaser for this episode uh, by the account uh, at RiffinGay99 that mentioned uh, that uh, Mark Wahlberg plays a black guy in this movie. And like, that's the only way that like you can start to justify like why that that's acceptable that you would say that word. Because it's like, I know this is 2005, but I feel like even by 2005, we were like, maybe not that particular word. He even says it like in a way and in a context that like only another black person would use it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Very like fucking weird. Tyrese is in that same shot with him when he says it. Why not have Tyrese tack that on to the end of whatever he's trying to get at? <laughs> well, he did. And Wahlberg scratched his name off of the line <laughs> and put his own on there. But yeah. Maybe finally. they did two, maybe they did two takes uh, one of each actor saying it. They told Tyrese, don't worry. We're just doing it to make Mark happy. We're going to use your take. Don't worry about it. But actually, they were only ever playing it using Mark's take. Well, well, Wahlberg swooped in there. Nah, mine's the better take. I got the better take. It's just the one to do. Well, that was, actually the, that was actually the cleanest and tamest one they could get out of him. <laughs> he was, yeah, he wasn't supposed to use the word at all, but he wouldn't stop. He would not give them a take without the word in it. Did, did you fellows happen to watch any of the, the deleted scenes? Oh, no. 
Okay, because there's like a scene that makes Bobby work look even worse when talking to Jack at the Thanksgiving dinner, and like it's pretty rough. I mean, there's a I think a ten minute supercut of all the deleted scenes. I'd highly suggest it adds a little more context to some parts. But you're like, I'm glad that Singleton cut that or whoever said cut it right now. Oh no, (laughs) it's it's again relating to homosexuality. But it ends up, and this comes out later in the end of the film, which is adds more context to the post-credit scene or the mid-credit scene where he goes, well, if you don't like having sex with men or something along, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, don't follow me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> he, they go, well, if you don't like doing any of that, why do you have that meat tenderizer on your tongue? And he's talking about his tongue ring, which you don't even notice in any other part of the movie. I didn't know he had one. He has. He shows it, in it off post- in the credits. Yeah, that, that, that's it. That's it. He's at like the microphone and he just like sticks his tongue out and he's got a big tongue ring. But like and then you got to see a clip of just Jack in the kitchen basting the turkey, like basically crying and pulling out his <laughs> God damn his uh, tongue ring. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm glad that one was cut. It's a God, it's like the way that Mark Wahlberg's character Bobby acts in this movie is, is something that only works because of Mark Wahlberg being an inherently unlikable screen presence. Uh, in that he's an extremely charming and funny screen presence, but that works mostly in service of unlikable characters. He is at his best when his characters are not very likable. And it's like if any other actor slotted in and did this role and it felt more like the movie wanted you to be on their side, it wouldn't, it would work even less. Uh, but something about it like works where I'm like, I don't think the movie wants me to think that Bobby's like, like that what what Bobby says is good. Like I don't think the movie wants you to be on Bobby's side. So it's like that works but that only works implicitly from like what Mark Wahlberg specifically brings probably unconsciously to the role. I think it's 100% unconscious in the sense that John Singleton intended it the way you're saying it. Yeah. I think in the Mark in the moment Mark Wahlberg was like this is this is great. Like I'm feeling this is it. Cool. Like, I, hate this. Yeah. I mean I think it's like it's like Boogie Nights or like Pain and Gain where I don't know that Mark Wahlberg's aware of why he is so perfect in those roles. But they are leveraging him in a way. He's 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 the bozo movie star. Like he excels mm-hmm. at being the bozo in a movie. And I think it's that lack of self awareness. Like that's why Boogie Nights is like such an iconic performance because it's like it's just him. You know what I mean? It's just that's how he is. Man, you know what? I'm glad they didn't cut the scene where Tyrese is talking to him while he's taking a shit, and Garrett Hedlund is in the shower. Oh yeah. And they're all hanging out in the bathroom together. Get the dick inspector to look at your dick, Tyrese. He was a cockologist. Cockologist. <laughs> As a as a guy with no brothers, is that normal? Is that what no. y'all are? I have to? never used the potty while a brother showered in my life. Complete privacy while you're in the bathroom, please. So, so my 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 in my notes, I have that scene called out because like that was burned into my brain, like from seeing that movie the first time. And my note is just weird dick venereal disease scene. <laughs> I do remember this. <laughs> like that was I was like I recall it. Yeah. Um. Three brothers. In houses with sometimes one bathroom. I don't think we saw each other's uh, penises like that. Ever I mean, it's not that you just saw it. He's like actively showing it to his other brothers. He's like, they, he delivers some like plot relevant information. And then he's like, oh, by the way, I think my dick's all fucked up. Will you guys check <laughs> it said, out for me? Wait, goes, which, you know, we were making up a lot last night, I believe. Because uh, Sofia Vergara was upset with him. Man, uh, speaking of Jack, he gets caught with the the old snowball trick. Falls for the oldest <laughs> trick in the book. He's the dumb brother. I mean, like, like, Bobby's the dumb brother, but Jack is the dumb brother. 
He gets hit with a snowball and he chases the guy down the street. Why would you do that? Well, they're like discussing this big conspiracy that they're in too. They're like figuring stuff out and he's like, hold on, I got to go fucking deal with this snowball guy. You got to talk you're about like, what you're talking he's about. He's like, what, 26? Like he's, he's, their the youngest brother is still pretty old. Why are you fall, Why are you throwing snowballs at people? Guy throws, I thought he was going to go out the door with a gun and said he gets up a snowball. Like he's going to throw a snowball. Someone threw a snowball at me and they're just like, fuck you and go back inside. Yeah. Not my um, business. You think they would all just have a gun on them at all mm-hmm. times, considering <laughs> they, they want a just, gun? I don't think they, they ever give Jack a gun at any point in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh, no. He holds the shotgun at one point, I believe. Yeah, but they didn't give it to him at first. He has to take it at some point. It was they tried to give him a tire iron. Yeah, yeah it's when they were leaving the scene, he ends up with the shotgun, but going in, I think <clears> he had a tire iron. And then the first time he went to him, he had a gas can. That was it. Yeah, the gas thing. We're going to do the gas thing. Um, there was something, oh, okay, Jack gets shot with, I assumed, what looked like, based on video game experience, a Desert Eagle fifty caliber in the chest, um, and then might have gotten some machine gun fire in his back, and the guy in the kitchen getting stabbed by Andre 3000 dies immediately, while Jack has 10 well, minutes I mean, if you If you sneak up on someone, it is his, his stealth kills are instant. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so he had X when he was behind the guy. Melee attack. That was an instant uh, death. <laughs> okay, we're going Halo rules here. Okay. <laughs> I I like that they give uh, Andre three thousand a bit where he's like has a little uh like uh morality play in his head of like do I have it in me to kill this guy and then he just fucking stabs the shit out of him. I gotta well, he's screaming. Brothers. I got kids. I got a wife. Well, okay, that's he doesn't mention his brothers in that moment. That's I got true. four brothers. I got three brothers. <laughs> I got three brothers. <laughs> Let me tell you about the number of brothers that I have. Oh yeah, uh, we kind of also just glossed over that he's like a red herring villain for a little bit of the movie and kind yeah. of the middle I, section. There's a there's a couple red hair. This movie is twisty. I did not remember it being like this super twisty narrative. It does, and I think I think that is like mirroring some of the black exploitation movies tend to have like eight twists too many of like like betrayal betrayal. I betrayal. love it. I don't know if it would come together if I tried to write it out in a list. I don't know if it would make a lot of sense, but in the moment, it is compelling to to follow those twists and turns. It's really funny because you're like following along and trying to see what's going on, but at one point they find out that their mom was killed by contract killers. They hunt these guys down, and instead of like asking them who paid them, they just murder them in the street and leave without. Well, like Tyree says, many if they're contract killers, they're not going to tell you who hired them, so it's fine. <laughs> they don't even try. How did you guys feel after they murder those two guys? Jack is watching them shoot, and you're kind of looking at Jack's perspective, and then Wahlberg and Tyrese. That shot just feels weird when they're both walking in from the blizzard. I don't know. It just it, it's a cool shot. It was cool, but like I was like, oh, that's I don't know. Maybe it, it's the 3D snow that's in there that might. There, there, there is some questionable CGI in this movie. Like they use they use um, CGI in place of actual car crashes a couple times. Like in like the shot of the cars connecting, it briefly will transition to to bad CGI. But I think they mostly get away with it. It's only for like a frame or two, so it ends up being fine. The house is shot up. There's a scene where the camera is kind of going down the stairs with all their pictures. This is after Jack's death. Um, and then Jack's picture actually has a bullet hole exactly where he is shot <laughs> in the movie, <laughs> which I thought, I only caught on my fifth viewing. But I love uh, that. There, I, I love cool. I love a heavy-handed uh, visual. Did the reveal that Andre three thousand is not actually a bad guy is so fucking funny because they're like, "What? Yeah, we saw you were making payments to her life insurance policy," and he's like, "Yeah, I paid her bills. She was an old lady." <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm a good brother. Her. You're the bad brother. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Yeah, they forgot they abandoned their mom completely <laughs> <laughs> as adults. They're so mad at him. I, yeah, I, that's part. I was, I was mentioning that earlier, but like, or that was what I was referencing earlier. I said he sells his one big emotional beat, but I think I think Andre 2000 sells that scene. Like, I think that scene works really well. I buy the emotion in his character's face when he's like, he like, you can see that he's hurt. Of like, how what are you guys fucking talking about? I'm the good brother. Yeah, it's fun. They kind of like go overboard. It's like he's not in trouble because he got in with some bad people. He's in trouble because he refused to get in with the bad people. Mm-hmm. He's like a saint. And then I'm mom was so good go that everyone him. thought I was bad. <laughs> I'm too Which pure for nice. this world. Yeah, it's a nice turn. Like I feel like this was not a movie that needed a betrayal by brother. Like I think mm-hmm. we got to keep all four brothers pure. Try uh, <laughs> to retain as many brothers as possible. <laughs> the sanctity <laughs> I, I, of the brotherhood. I mean, that's the, the the most shocking part of this movie is it like it's four brothers. By the end of the movie, it's three brothers. That is not the same amount of brothers we came in when we started, and that's like one of the most shocking yes. twists you can have in the movie is to reduce the number of brothers. And if they had done a twist with Andre 2000, it just, you would have been down to two brothers and that's too few. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I'd like to bring up something. Uh, the, the councilman, do you guys remember this character? So, um, Mark Wahlberg, Bobby Mercer and Jackie Mercer go and start talking to the city councilman. And he is in bed with Victor sweet. Isn't that the guy that uh, Mark Wahlberg says the word to? I at the bowling alley. No. Oh no, no, he says the word no, to a different guy. That's, yeah, that's different guy. The union guy. Two, yeah, two yeah, different yeah. guys he interrogates. That's right. Yeah. Um. But uh, the councilman rebuffs Mark Wahlberg and Jack, and he walks to his car, and he gets into his car, and here again we see the gas thing. You know, we're gonna do the gas thing. I'm gonna keep saying that that way. Um. But he doesn't realize on the side of the car that he got in, the driver's side passenger window is shattered. I, I think I would have noticed if my window was busted out on the side of the car I'm getting in. I mean, and then sit down and go, oh, it kind of smells like gas in here. If two brothers just harassed you in the parking garage, you might be too concerned with getting in your car to notice. Also, just like busted glass and gasoline smell. That's just Detroit, baby. That's just how they're living out there. Every, there is another every depiction of Detroit in a movie. It's like fucking post-apocalyptic <laughs> hellscape. Well, doesn't Angel or I'm um, sorry, Tyrese's character comment on that? He says something about Detroit going down the dumps, basically. There is another, um, I feel very funny performance movie we haven't mentioned at all, which is, uh, so there's a, a third parallel narrative, as we we're saying, like, like this is a very complex movie, <laughs> when you start mapping out the plot, like, weirdly, it's very complex. Uh, there's a third parallel narrative about Terrence Howard and his partner, played by Josh Charles, uh, and Josh Charles ultimately being, like, the most piece of shit, corrupt, corrupt cop, you know, like, another classic black exploitation Luckily, character. the only dirty cop in in detroit but they get them <laughs> uh which which is weird because josh charles also plays a corrupt cop in the uh clark johnson swap movie he um, also it, like i was just watching uh man i don't know what it's called because in my head i just keep calling it the wire part two we uh, own the night we own I the night no. yeah he's a shitty cop in that also yeah yeah but they give him like my favorite character moment in this movie because uh, I love shit when it's like they have a bad guy just do something that's not even like evil. It's just like rude. 
uh, where, where he's like staked out in a house and a kid comes up as a part of their plan selling baby Ruth bars. And he's like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. And then he takes one of the kids <laughs> bars without paying for it and eats it. And I'm like, I just love that kind of shit. Like that little like rude moment. Oh my God. His interaction. I, I love that. Power. It's like a little fat kid who's playing baseball and uh, Tyrese Gibson's like, I will give you $20 and also a box of candy bars. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, hey, chunky boy, come here. Uh, <laughs> I got a job for you. His interaction with Terrence Howard in the pool hall is also so fucking funny. How about that hat? That uh, Yeah, he's wearing like fedora. <laughs> and they're like cryptically. He's just chilling, man. He's all like, the, it's been a while since I played a game like this. I think your stick's a little <laughs> crooked. He's and he, like, he's giving the worst. Josh Charles is telling the worst lies ever. Like clearly, Terrence Howard knows like that he met with the grandma for like an hour, and he's like, "Yeah, I talked to that broad for like five minutes, sent her to the park department." Well, right when okay. he walks in, he's like, "Isn't this one of Victor Sweet's places?" And he's like, "No, I don't know. Is it? I don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff." Who goes to the pool hall and sets up eight ball for themselves? The guy that wears a fedora. That scene is really funny because Terrence Howard does ask about the meeting with uh, Fiona. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. The mom, Mama Mercer. And you're right. Detective Fowler, I forget that actor's name, does go, yeah, it's about five minutes. And then Terrence Howard doubles down just to double check. Like, dude, you already record, you've seen the footage. Like, you don't have to push the question. Like, you're about to tip this guy off that you're on to him. Yeah, it's okay because he doesn't tip him off so much as he tells him when he takes his badge <laughs> and his gut and says, you're crooked, I'm done with you, and then dies because he's the dumbest... I wrote down, Terrence Howard dies because he's stupid. Because he forgets to check the guy for a second gun. Classic mistake. Well, he's like, I know you're a crooked cop and had someone killed. I'm going to turn my back to you right now as I walked my car. <laughs> what was his plan? He literally just took the guy's badge and his gun and walked away. Like, well, you're not going to take him in. You're not what you're not doing anything with. You're well, just going to walk after... away from a guy you know is crooked. You didn't fully search him or anything. You're just like, "Hey, I'm turning you in by the way. Please don't do anything on my way back to headquarters." Well, even after all that though, he is a fellow officer of the law. You expect him to, you know, operate respectfully i guess there's rules of honor if he wants to kill you he's supposed to challenge you to a duel what happens to terrence howard's body because the snow covers it up it's fine he's like <laughs> he's like yoda it just disappears his clothes are... <laughs> yeah he's, he does the you strike me down i'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine but like really think about it he shoots him in the what the back alley of a bar where he just got cracked across the leg with a a pool, pool cue, cue like yeah. Well, it's like the gangster's bar, bar, so I assume no one saw anything. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. He right. shoots that his gun sense. into the alley when he's on the radio. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He, did, yeah, he calls the cops and he says, oh, hey, right. police yeah. shooting suspects, that's and he right. shoots his gun. He, he does a bunch of, you know, dry fires, which you can do if you're a cop. Good catch. I forgot about he's, it. Yeah, he's he's doing a bunch of, like, uh, Foley work while he's on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> like, squeaking the door and shooting his gun. He's doing the radio drama from Frasier. He's like <laughs> hitting all the sound effects. Little did I know that Terrence Howard would turn her out to be almost the fifth brother in this movie. <laughs> trying to help the boys get the murder solved. Well, he's got to take care of his own shit first, though. I mean, at one point, though, he's like, sorry about your mom, but I've got my own shit to take care of right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dirty cop. So I'm going to do that first. Then I'll get to the murders. 
getting back to the closing here, the climax, which I felt as in the year 2022, um, not as cool as I thought it once was. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I thought the twist of unionizing all of the henchmen was so fucking <laughs> so funny. cool. That's I cool loved part. it. That is ahead of its time, really. I mean, I grew up with a father in the union. I am in a union, um, so I can get down with that. But there's this huge power. There's this huge power vacuum after Victor Salid is gone. Not anymore. The workers later. have taken. They seized the means of crime production. <laughs> I don't think these guys are going to work as a you know, like an actual union. Yeah, they're a crime. co-op. They're now a crime co-op. It is funny. Like I was texting Zach when I was watching it because, like, again, I hadn't seen this in like ten plus years. I. Uh, and I did not remember that, like, the last 30 minutes of that movie, like, they start just, like, for some reason, straight ripping the climax of Lethal Weapon. Like, it involves them, like, driving out to a remote location, and, like, there's a, a twist there. And then my favorite, like, bozo movie star moment is, like, there's this big resolution with the union, you know, like, they, they're they like, you're done. Like, you, you told me you were going to fuck my wife. You made me eat food like a dog. We're all turning on you. The movie is resolved. Like, like Victor Sweet is, is set up to die. Then Mark yeah, Wahlberg appears. Uh, he's like, hey, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Who has the balls to take down the big man? I wonder who it is. Is it one of the workers that we've set up? Is it them collectively as a group coming together and taking down the boss? You know, it's not one of us. It's all of us together. I like. No. I just like that Victor's like, I will kill every single one of you 12 people <laughs> here and dump all your bodies in the lake but who he won't kill <laughs> mark Wahlberg. yep that bobby mercer walking on water bobby mercer walks through <laughs> they, they pan over they cut over to the him and it's just it's this 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 tundra they're in the middle of the lake and here comes bobby mercer the, the lone cowboy walking in at a high noon his duster flowing in the wind leather duster oh, yeah God. got the thermal uh long sleeve on under that and it's like the the clear like so get like it feels like Wahlberg inserted this himself because like the clear thing to happen would be to have like Andre three thousand get the big moment of like this guy's been pushing him around like he fucked up his whole life he did his whole scenario or the workers them, or the workers, to or the workers collectively themselves. turning on him at once yeah I think I told Zach I thought they were gonna like rip him apart like Dawn of the Dead <laughs> like they, yeah. all, they all just start pulling on him and, and ripping. <laughs> ripping his arms and legs off but then you know Wahlberg comes in and and does a boxing match uh with victor sweet no no it starts as a boxing match which don't they allude to victor sweet like actually being a good boxer is that a thing or am i making that up i don't remember whatever i cannot recall stand up hands only mark Wahlberg's getting his ass whooped in this movie all right but you forget bobby mercer's from the streets of detroit baby and he's going to take you to the ground and pound and, you know, start headbutting and throwing knees. Incredible stuff here from Mark. I think Victor Sweet could have salvaged the situation by maybe just like negotiating some overtime pay for these guys or something. <laughs> Meeting them halfway a little bit. He's like, He could have been like, I will also give you this $400,000 and I will just kill one guy. <laughs> and maybe three, two others since we already got one down. Uh, and, and so Zach and I had like a debate about like whether uh, Bobby slash Mark Wahlberg like beats him to death. Like is Victor Sweet dead? Uh, At the end, because he's knocked unconscious. They... I think he's unconscious. No, his eyes are open though. He's got bloody teeth because the headbutt. The headbutt's the finishing move. I watched this twice, gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> I asked Brett. I, I this is what we talked a little bit prior about how I called him about this and <laughs> talked on the phone for five minutes. This is the conversation we had. 
Now, Brett claims that there is breath coming out of Victor Sweet's mouth still, which could be breathing. But either Mark Wahlberg killed him on impact with the headbutt, or the alternative is 10 of these guys just dumped his body into the frozen lake and let him drown. Because you see him literally get thrown into I the think lake. they let him drown. I, I think, think he got dumped drown. into that lake unconscious and drowned to the most horrifying death ever. Yeah, Which Absolutely. is like... It- yeah, it's a layer of cruelty on top of it. It's, it's, it's very cruel to just put an unconscious man in, in the cold cold lake. Although I guess if he kills your mom, you know, whatever. Yeah, like they needed that, obviously. But um, what happens if Victor Sweet beats the shit out of Mark? Like, <laughs> the 12 other guys just shoot Victor Sweet, and they're like, all right. I think if Mark loses that fight, then Victor Sweet's back in charge. I think that's the rule. So weird. Directly after that, too, there's like a little montage of cops just beating the shit out of the remaining brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but they fucked the cops' mothers, so. Well, and it comes back to that whole razzing with the boys right at the end. It's so good. Yeah. um, Oh, we forgot to talk about uh, Fowler tries to do the, the hair trick, which is another callback scene later. When he's like, we found your hair yeah. at the crime scene. He's like, oh, that's from your mother's tit. Sorry, I just wanted to say mother's tit. <laughs> just another Bozo Wahlberg <laughs> in the robe, chilling at mom's house. And I will say, like, my my final, like, <clears throat> outcome in this movie is, like, I was going into this expecting, like, I'm not going to, like, enjoy this very much. Like, I had not seen it in a long time. I remember it as, like, an okay movie. Uh, but I fucking had a blast. <laughs> like, I was rolling the entire time watching this movie. There's a little thing at the very end, too, where he's talking to a little kid that I was like, maybe Mark Wahlberg just doesn't think of himself as white. He's wearing like a <laughs> worker's shirt that says Raul on it. <laughs> it's like, maybe Mark Wahlberg is, just doesn't know. He's, he's like Steve Martin. In no the one church. ever told him. <laughs> he was just raised with these brothers. He's like, yeah, we've got our one white brother that we razz all the time. Cracker Jack. Um, I do like that ending. Uh, three of those kids. One of the kids is from the beginning scene, the one who's stealing from the shop um, that Evelyn Mercer talks to him about. But then two of the other kids that have speaking parts at that moment, they're in another deleted scene that adds more context about how nice the mom was in the neighborhood. Uh, again, get on YouTube, check out those deleted scenes. Um, but we finally get Bobby seeing his vision of his mother on the steps, which we were excluded from at the Thanksgiving dinner uh, scene. So um, I really, again, l- liked that, that uh, component of the film. Um, yeah. It was funny just... that he like gets his vision of his mom, like after everything has gone down and she's like, good job, Bobby, or like whatever the fuck. <laughs> but like, you think about what he's actually been doing the whole movie, <laughs> like murdering and torturing everyone. And his sweet goes, mom oh. is like, thank you. I think she goes, Oh, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> she could finally rest that guy, And then, tell 10 other guys to throw them in the frozen river or lake <laughs> she's thinking specifically about how they did a schoolyard bully move to her ex-boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> there's a funny bit too where like after terrence howard dies uh they're at his funeral and they walk away to reveal that her grave is like right next to where <laughs> he's getting buried <laughs> Got like a family plot for the whole neighborhood um we didn't talk at all about taraji p henson being andre 3000's wife yeah, she's um, in it for like a second. Yeah, she gets like four lines, I think, in total. Um, don't you let him get know. hurt. 
single yeah singleton worked with her i had to move i know it's uh three ish times because he produced hustle and flow but if i recall i haven't seen hustle and flow since hustle and flow came out so i recall her being really good in that and she's like somewhat decent i don't know it seemed like a waste to have her just in that spot well it's not called four wives (laughs) (laughs) that would be a great spinoff her and Tans Howard are also in Empire, right? They're like the yeah, two leads of I that show. Right. <laughs> I think they're husband and wife in that, yeah. Before his mathematics and hydrogen prowess. <laughs> Good for him, man. He cracked the code. There's a great high-level twisty bit uh, where Terrence Howard gets uh, Josh Charles, Detective Fowler, in the house where it's they, he sets he sets the kid up to go knock on his door. He falls he gets up behind him and and, and uh, has the belt around his neck with a plastic bag and you think it's a murder the detective plot, but then his girlfriend calls the cops in and you think it's oh his girlfriend's mad because she's been fighting with him the whole movie and the cops are gonna come get him, but then it turns and then he tells Fowler that oh I'm I have a wire and the cops can hear me and you think oh for a second maybe they had another plan. And then it's no, it's it's a fourth twist deep. It's his whole plan the entire time was we're gonna get the cops called for a hostage situation. I'm gonna convince the guy that I'm I'm undercover with the cops, and then he's gonna hopefully take out my gun and try to kill me, and the cops will try to kill him. Fucking this dude put his life on the line on the bet that the fucking cop he was holding hostage would believe him and try to shoot at other cops. And like, even still, even if his plan goes right in real life, he takes a step out of that house and 20 cops just fucking unload <laughs> into him. Yeah. yeah how did the cops like the cops think that he took the guy hostage? How did they twist around to like not wanting him in jail too? Yeah, they're like, wait, I thought he was the hostage. One guy says to the other, um, <laughs> they sure a lot of constraints <laughs> in a hostage gun situation, murder <laughs> plot. Rolling up and like, hold on, let's see how this shakes out. <laughs> okay, What's wait up a with minute. Fowler right now? We got some bad information. We need to regroup for a second. There's also a funny bit before that where he like has the bag over his head. And he tears the bag and he's like, yeah, you tear the bag. Everyone goes for the belt, but you can just tear the bag, idiot. So I do have one note at the end of my notes that I feel like I would be remiss if I did not mention. Uh, which is... Uh, on the Four Brothers Wikipedia page, uh, there is a, a sentence that reads, in a 2020, 2020 post on his Instagram page, Tyrese Gibson claimed a script for a sequel, Five Brothers, is in the works. Um, which leaves me with some questions, because we end the movie with uh, three remaining brothers, which means not only do we have to add a brother, we have to replace one of the lost brothers. And like you know, our we can only hope that this comes to fruition, and we can finally see a movie that delivers even more brothers than than we thought possible in the past. Um, can I ask who you would cast as the two extra brothers? Second, Mark Wahlberg doing a dual role. <laughs> I know that wasn't enough brothers, but you just gotta hang with me. <laughs> like, like you know, we'll figure out we'll figure out the fifth brother later. But Mark Wahlberg is the replacement brother. Walton Goggins. <laughs> I like that. I like that addition. An even more Southern brother than than Andre 3000. So He's even more like... unhinged than uh, the Wahlberg brother, right? So we get an even crazier brother. 
and ludicrous. And Lu- yes, Goggins <laughs> yeah. and ludicrous. <laughs> well, I, I want more from Charlie. Charlie, you saw this in 2022. I mean, what do you? Uh, okay. man, I don't know it. I, I I honestly did not love it. I was prepared to be like really psyched on it. It didn't quite get as nutso as I wanted it to. I think. Okay. I I think it hit it, it peaks really early, like those early scenes where they're like doing the fake police raid and Mark Wahlberg is mugging and playing with a basketball. Like that is like yeah. if it has sustained that entire energy, it, like that energy the entire time, I think it would have been the movie. It could have been. I do like the voice uh, that. Chiwetel Ejiofor uses for Victor Sweet too. It's kind of just it's like a made-up so accent smooth. he's doing. It's so smooth. I think it so would have cool. hit super hard if I had seen it when I was twelve or whatever when it came out. I think I would have been all about it. I was sixteen. So. <laughs> and it is like I, I hate to harp on this type of thing, but it's like they don't like make this kind of movie anymore. Like in like like a big studio putting out a movie like of this type is not happening now. The closest thing I can think of is the Equalizer, which you've also covered on this podcast. Uh, so yeah. the Denzel equalizers, not not too dissimilar. Of here is a kind of kind of trashy uh, script that we're elevating with a decent uh, journeyman director. Uh, Antoine Fuqua does the equalizer movies, and a like movie star capital capital M movie star performance at the center that elevates what would otherwise around the direction and the sound. And this, the, 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 the central performance is not really like a high level movie. Man, there's a bit in this where Mark Wahlberg, I don't know if y'all have seen the, there's like a SNL Mark Wahlberg talks to animals and it's like Andy Samberg doing Wahlberg. But there's a part in this movie at the beginning where he's talking to a little kid where he just sounds exactly like the Samberg impression where he's like, hey, little girl, I'm your uncle. I'm Mark Wahlberg. And it's like, it <laughs> is so close to self-parody. I love that. I wish he had been there the whole time. Yeah, he he, he explains the family dynamic, which why wouldn't Andre 3000 already <laughs> inform his kids? And <laughs> hey, you have two white uncles too. <laughs> you're not my real uncle, you're white. <laughs> yeah, we're, di- we're a different kind of uncle. <laughs> I do think this is like that. This is like the Wahlberg sweet spot, where it's like he's talking like that. He's doing his thing, like like 2005 to like 2010 or so is like he's nailing it for me. The bozo genius. Yeah, he's in his own in this movie. I I love Wahlberg in this movie. Actually, he's, again, he's playing Mark himself. I think. <laughs> Zach, you actually had a really funny observation that you texted me that you did not get to now. That like the way Wahlberg plays this movie is like. He's playing the guy that he imagines he is in real life. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so cool. Everybody loves me. You know what I mean? Like, you, know what I mean? Like, you know, in the Wahlberg household, he's Jackie. But he's just like mad. He's not playing the older brother. <laughs> no, but absolutely. Yeah. It's like, this is how he wants to be pictured. Maybe not now with the N word and all the homosexual statements. And, you know, yeah, now, he, now he's a good Christian boy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a very different image like, these days. You know he came to set excited to be yeah. Bobby Mercer. I haven't seen Father Stu yet, but I imagine it's just him bringing this energy to being a priest. Of like, <laughs> he's just the sacrament. You just gotta take him, man. Yeah, I heard he actually takes out another deacon by a headbutt and throwing him in a <laughs> drowning him in Father Stu, not in real life. 
Yeah, he's like in the movie constantly chasing down sinners in his car and then just like popping. Four Brothers is really funny because they feel no need to ever like soften or like three-dimensionalize the Mark Wahlberg character. It's just every opportunity he has, he's like being an asshole to everyone. And it just, yeah, it just passes by. I think that's like part of the magic of the movie. This guy fucking sucks. Uh, you couldn't to, to your to your point brett like they don't make movies like this today it is also a movie you could not make today because i do not think you could make the bobby mercer character today without one of the other brothers constantly cutting him down for his homophobia and like for the better like i the fact that you can't make a character who is uncritically homophobic <laughs> at the center of your movie probably for the best but like it is Something that going back to a movie from 2005, I can't help but be a little bit nostalgic for like a time when movies were shitty in this way, which not a good thing, but it's also, I watched movies when I was a teen and it's like, man, there was a period where you could make a movie that there was this fucking, that thought that handling homophobia was having a character be homophobic and portraying it. And not having like, what if we, what if we acknowledge other characters? Like, there's no point. If you made this for you today, Jack would have to like come out or something. There would have to be like a moment of uh, of empathy about like his sexuality. It would have to be acknowledged in some way. Whereas like back then, it's just like, yeah, we think somehow addressing current events is having a character be homophobic. That's it. <laughs> it's such a 2005 movie in that regard. The yeah, the fucking number 2000. Garrett Hedlund, like, covered in snot and spit, like, wailing, dying, and Mark Wahlberg saying, don't die on me, you fucking fairy, is so whacked out, great, like, insane insane thing to watch. We'll stick with me for a very long time. That is an emotion, that's the last thing he says to his brother. That is, that is Bobby at his most emotional. <laughs> he is still homophobic. Not even a, hey, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, his just other brothers insane. aren't like, hey, cut it out, man. Leave him alone. It's just like, that's Bobby. It's like, that's the last <laughs> thing that guy probably heard before he died. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, yeah, that, that's why I like, you know, yeah. I actually do have it on my will that if I do die uh, in my, in one of my brother's arms, that they do have to say that line (laughs) god i like that um yeah i mean when i saw it back then probably would have had this at four stars just mark Wahlberg power um black exploitation film um very much into that uh you know 70s style uh of movie um Upon rewatching it, I had like the reverse of Brett. Like that was always the funny thing is like Brett's like that movie sucks, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was the guy who was like always trying to champion it. And um, I think I, I I'm at like I put three and a half, um, but just the the homophobia is incredible. Just um, three or white three and a half instead of four. I'm confused here. No, it brought it brought it down. I, okay. I you know. But again, trying to be more nuanced, like, yeah, this is 2005, 2000, you know. It was shocking. I did not remember that it was homophobic. It is just really, really jarring, like, being brought back into that era of, like, being settled into, like, the early mid-aughts, like, Iraq War, just 
uncritically mean popular culture just like everyone is just brutal and ugly all the time and then you think of just like watching 24 just like an onslaught of like weird racist like meanness that mm-hmm. never there's no like looking inwards it's just uncritically mean and weird it, it was a weird period where like and i was kind of getting into the homophobia comment but like where for some reason the uh, a lot of 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 producers of media whether tv or movies thought that addressing the current issues meant bringing them up in a way where a character was really offensive about them but then we weren't critical about them so it's like well gays exist now so we have to address it so i guess we'll just have like a fucking homophobic guy say homophobic (laughs) things every scene for the first 45 minutes of the movie yeah it's also like getting into this like south park era of like we live in like a post-racial, post-bigotry society, so I can now be mean to everyone. It's okay if I'm like an equally a dickhead to like every marginalized group instead of just pinpointing on one. That runs. There's like a T-shirt or that saying is, like, "I'm not racist. I hate everybody." Like that meme or something. That <laughs> Bobby owns really that shirt. Sure. Bobby Mercer. Yeah, right. <laughs> also, Mark Wahlberg in real life totally owns that. <laughs> It is like like I think all four of us were like roughly like high school ish age when this came out. Yeah, it was fourteen. And it does, yeah, it does like immediately throw you back to like, oh yeah, that's just like that was omnipresent. Like you would just like hear that all of the time. It was just this, relentless. This movie, this movie reminded me of passing period in the hallway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Getting tripped or like shoved into a locker. And... <laughs> Brett, get up! Brett, stop doing this thing. <laughs> Hard, hard to watch sometimes. Um, my wife on my fifth viewing, like <laughs> immediately that first two minutes where the guys come in and they're like, Osama, Osama. And she like turned and looks at me like, what are we watching? Because I don't think she's ever seen it, which is also, she couldn't remember if she saw it or not. And I don't think she did because <laughs> the amount of looks I got while <laughs> watching this movie, I was like, don't look at me. I'm not John Cena. Yeah, just returning to an era where like that was just normal like popcorn entertainment very strange like no one's trying to like say anything about race or homophobia in this movie it's just there i mean what more do you need than they're my real brothers they that says it all brothers. It, it, it points this definitely dips into becoming i have a black friend the movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they lean hard on that uh Brett, where are you sitting? I so in regards to uh, like the score, so I do think I had the opposite reaction of Zach. Of Zach has been like hyping this movie up to me for a decade as like, no, it's it's actually really good. And I would been like, I remember it kind of sucking. Like for the first forty or so minutes of this movie, I was like rolling, laughing, like having a blast. Just as, as, as Wahlberg like going full bozo mode. I definitely came back down to earth in that <laughs> second half when it gets like into the territory of this movie having seven thousand twists for some reason. Um but I'm gonna give it like a solid like three and a half out of five brothers if we're if we're using the, the brother scale but still but still remaining out of five like I, I, th- I think three and a half brothers is good so you're getting like you're getting all of Wahlberg, you're getting all of tyrese you're getting all of andre 3000 and you're getting the upper half of garrett headland and that's where i'm landing with my score uh i kind of had a similar path where i in my memory this movie was like a three out of five a six out of ten uh but revisiting it i found myself gripped 
the entire time. I was so in it. I actually loved, I liked it a lot more than where I had in my memory where it sat was like decent movie. I, I was gripped the whole time. Like even when it gets in the twisty corner, I'm like, I'm, I love how dumb the twists get. The fact that the movie is twisting in a ways that you can't predict. It is like, it is throwing red herrings at you every other scene. There's a, there's a moment where like Terrence Howard talks to the lawyer and is like, Hey, ask some stuff. And the lawyer's like, wasn't that in your police report? And Terrence Howard's like, what police report? And for a second there, I'm like, oh, is Terrence Howard hinting that he didn't file a police report and he's the bad guy? No, there's like a thousand red herrings. I love it. It's just, it's impossible to follow. Uh, it's cool. Actually, I love, I think the ending's actually my favorite scene. Just Mark Wahlberg walking in as the desperado at, at high noon, uh, ready to do his, uh, his shootout, uh, except it's with fists and punches. I don't know. I, 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 in my mind, this is a three out of five. Uh, I actually am putting up to four out of five. Four stars oh. for four brothers, one for each. <laughs> it's, it's all. It's, it's, it's just. I think that's the perfect score for this movie. You just can't wait for five brothers then, because that's a five out of five. I think right off the bat. <laughs> no, that's too many brothers. You tip over. I think oversaturation of brothers. Four, four maybe the max amount of brothers you can contain in a movie. See when. Terrence Howard says, what police report? I was hoping we were getting into a, a memento type situation. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole, the plot turns and he's the main character for the second half of the movie. And it's just him trying to remember things. Honestly, that, that would have been a five brother twist. I would have had to bump it up to five. <laughs> no, yeah, I think I'm sitting at like a soft three on this one. I think it's easy to get high. The, the podcast gets you high, I think, on any movie you're watching. Yeah, definitely did not live up to what 2005-6 Zach felt. (laughs) And I do think, like, I do think, you know, this is like the dad core podcast, and it's like, I don't think this movie's good, good, you know what I mean? It's not like I would never call this, like, a good movie, but it did, like, make me, like, weirdly nostalgic for a type of movie they don't make anymore, which I feel like is, like, the essence of a dad movie. Like, when you're a dad, it's like... yeah it's like, got four yeah. like movie star performances and especially mark uh going bozo mode and andre 2000 being andre 2000 and then it's just it's competently like journeyman direction occasionally you know i, I like i love the there's a top-down shot with the basketball scene uh there's a really good match cut when like they're leaving to go break into the lawyer's house and sophia verger is mad that her boyfriend's leaving so she punches the wall and they match cut to Wahlberg punching through the window of the lawyer's house, which I think is really neat. There's like little moments where like, oh yeah, Singleton's a good director. Like it, it's well shot. It's a good looking movie. The, turns out like snow is cinematic. Uh, <laughs> and then it sounds good and it's got, you know, some compelling, charming performances. That's all a movie needs. Yeah, it's definitely, it definitely. Uh, it gives you the ground floor of three. Yeah, it's got <laughs> something that we're out. constantly looking for, which is you can pop on like any random 15 minute chunk of this movie and see something really funny it's a great it's a great hotel room movie like if, if it's on tnt and you're in the hotel room you're gonna yeah enjoy 20 minutes it's something of it. where like, like if it's playing on a tv at the gym i'm gonna like run for a little longer on the treadmill to <laughs> see what goes on there, there's a classic kind of movie and i mean it's it's what we call them the cable classics like a lot of the movies we talk about on this podcast are movies that i'm generally speaking I'm not going to watch my own. There's a reason I haven't turned on this movie in 15 years, right? Uh, I remembered it being generally fine, but like I'm happy to revisit it for the podcast. And if, if I caught this movie on cable, 
at any point in the last 10 years, because I don't have cable. I haven't had cable for 10 years. That's why I haven't watched it. But if I if I was flipping through to FX and this was on, oh, you bet your ass. I'd, I'd sit down no matter what point I flipped into in the middle of this movie, I would finish watching the rest of it that was there. And you get a little, uh, a nice little message about the power of uh, collective action and bargaining. <laughs> right. Teamsters. Now, when you guys launched this podcast, I think you guys were asking for like, what movies do you think you should cover or something like that? And uh, somebody commented under it and said, Four Brothers isn't dad core. And yeah, it was an 05 movie, but kind of like what Brett was saying, the callbacks to those exploitation films, uh, Brandon, you brought up the Western influences. Is like, this is absolutely a dad core. Like you guys said, on cable, let's throw it on and finish it up kind of deal. Like, oh, I like Wahlberg. Let's continue with Wahlberg. Also, we we are the vanguard of dad core. If we cover it, <laughs> then it, it we can't be wrong. This movie actually is kind of a, a remake, by the way, of like the Western The Sons of Katie Elder was heavily based on from 1965. I haven't actually seen it, but uh, I've seen it cited as a movie with basically the same plot that this one is pulling from. That's a John Wayne, right? Uh, Seeing that? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm only asking because I want to envision in my head, my head a scene where John Wayne. It is a John Wayne. So I'm going to assume it's John Wayne, Dean Martin. That's at least I know who's in it right there. I got the motherfucker now. Well, I can see John Wayne as Mark Wahlberg. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, it's the, I'm imagining him busting up a Western era basketball game and being like, <laughs> "I've got the rock. <laughs> <laughs> who's taking it next?" <laughs> I mean, to take a movie about sons and reframe it to be about brothers is really clever. Yeah. Well, I, I just don't it, know if I see John Wayne in this kind of movie because I just don't know if he'd say the N word. <laughs> Charlie, I actually feel like the the switch from sons to brothers represents the hyper masculine early two thousands era. Like we took away the the matronly title of son and, and focused it solely on the masculine brother. We are no longer it. sons. We are now brothers. <laughs> I do think, and I don't want to get too like depressing and philosophical about like the dad thing, but like after becoming a dad, like your experience watching those movies changes a little bit. Like when you watch like Death Wish, and you're no longer just like Charles Bronson is going to fuck some shit up. Like it's it's harder to watch like the murder of a child or the harm of a child. Like it completely like changes your perception of those movies into something more sinister than they were before. See, I just can't uh, imagine not enjoying harming a child. It's hard for me to (laughs) wrap my head around that. Now you guys are not dads yet. All right. But no, Brett brings up a good point. Like um, I saw assault on precinct 13. Oh yeah. And that has a brutal child murder in that. Yeah. See, I just think that scene's cool. I'm like, man, they went there. (laughs) This is sick. Yeah, that took me out for like 15 minutes. I'm like, yeah. Oh, God, like, I gotta pause this. Hold on. That's like the exact flip that happens of like, like it, it, it goes from being like, that's so cool and transgressive to like, oh shit, like I need to like take a break from this for a while. Oh shit, I, I now feel like the character that I'm supposed to feel like. The scene is working as intended instead of being like, a, whoa, John Carpenter, they, they let him go. Which is truly like a psychotic thing to say of like, you know, I, I didn't care for that little girl before, but, but now I have the experience. Like, I understand it's bad to shoot a child with an ice cream truck. Is it? 
<laughs> You'll understand. So I think that's all we have on four brothers from our four podcasters. So until next time, I am your host, Brandon. You can catch our podcast. Please subscribe. Dad Core Cinema on Twitter. Keep listening to it wherever you're listening to it right now. You can follow me at that one gate 64 on Twitter. Charlie, where can we find you? I'm the fucking tumboy, dude. He is the fucking tumble, you know. Dude. Brett, what do you got? I am on Twitter at Brett Thousand. That's B R E T T Thousand, the way you would spell thousand. No spaces, no numbers. Um, follow me there. Get me over three thousand. I will Don't eventually pass. I will eventually pass Brandon and followers. Don't follow Brett. Him. Don't you dare. Brett, Brett the Postman Thousand, the Bracket Man, King of Film Twitter king of uh, uh i guess jokes twitter and then also zach is here yeah you can find me at zach z-a-c-k he tweets h-e-t-w-e-e-t-s he does tweet i try to until next week we will come back to you we will talk about the gambler jimmy Kahn's the gambler very excited to talk about that but until next time Bye-bye. Bye.